If you work for a living, why do you kill yourself working? From the Willamette Valley, in America's great Pacific Northwest, you are listening to the Ernest Mann Show. I'm your host, Ernest Mann. Coming to you no matter where, what time, or what place you may be listening in this great, big, beautiful, but sometimes incredibly crazy world we all live in. Hello, everyone. It's Wednesday, and of course, that means it is Oregon Matters. And this is episode number 229, The Killing of Kathy S. Green. What I'm going to tell you may save your life. Before I get into telling you this, there is another death that I wanted to uh, talk about. And this one was quite unexpected. In the early morning hours of Sunday the 25th, just a bit after midnight, we lost 40-year-old Timothy Edward Smith. And um, apparently, he lost control of his motorcycle and plowed through a fence. And this was at the intersection of Glen Creek and Dokes Ferry Road, northwest. And the police responded and he was taken to hospital, and unfortunately, that is where he died. And so, I just wanted to give condolences to family and friends. Now, to our main story. This Unfortunately, also, um, it's about death, but under very different circumstances. And I'm just going to give you a very brief outline of this. And then there's a bit more that I want to go into, which could quite possibly end up saving your life or a loved one's life or a friend's life for that matter so but what we have here um is a woman on june the 22nd lived in portland on 68th avenue and her name was kathy s green she was 64 years old and um, 
said the authorities came and she had severe life-threatening injuries and um, she got immediate medical attention and she was transported to the hospital. And then <clears throat> when the police had arrived at the scene, uh, the victim's son was there and his name is Austin K. Green, and he's 32. And he was at the location, and he was cooperative. And, um, well, apparently they quickly put two and two together and came up with the idea that... Uh, he was going to be, uh, the son was going to be booked for, you know, attempted murder in a domestic violence situation. And he was charged with uh, second degree domestic violence, assault in the second degree domestic violence, and unlawful use of a weapon domestic violence. And this would have been, this happened on the 22nd of June. And two days later, things only got much worse because um, Kathy S. Green passed away from the beating from her son on the 24th. And so um, then they turned around the police and now it's been changed to um, a second degree domestic violence murder charge and the thing here that really struck me and this struck me really it struck me really hard because of my personal damn experience with this and I've been through this and close calls like this several times. So please pay attention to what I'm about to say here. This story was summarized thusly. It says, This incident serves as a solemn reminder of the importance of addressing domestic violence and the need for continued efforts to ensure the safety and well-being of individuals within communities. What the hell is that supposed to mean? It doesn't effectively mean anything. I mean, when there it's everything is so completely ambiguous here, addressing domestic violence. Well, the police addressed the domestic violence when they showed up after the fact but they addressed it the statement if you just you know give it more than just a little cursory examination is just incredibly stupid and so this is why this kind of thing keeps going on and keeps happening.
And with statements like that and people, what are they supposed, what are you supposed to do? You know, just give a, a huge damn big sigh of relief after the fact. All of this is after the fact. We can't have for domestic violence situations. We can't, you know, this isn't Star Trek. We can't just push a button instantly and a, a cop or some other authority figure who can save your life and save your ass just instantly appear weapon in hand you know this isn't the minority report you know this isn't pre-crime this isn't a movie this is real life and so a statement like that after something like this happens and it happens all the time that's the sad thing is that this shit happens all the time and frankly for one i'm sick of it when I feel, based on what I know and my experience, that frankly, there is so much of this that can be prevented. I didn't say all. I'm not saying every case. But if you could dramatically decrease the incidence of this happening, I think that would people would like that. I'm sure that Kathy sure as hell would have liked it. But there is there is there are things afoot that not, frankly, like I said, simply don't make any sense. And not only it's that they don't make any sense, is that it gets brushed quickly under the rug and no one wants to think about it. And so the more you do this, the more frequently it will happen. And it's, sadly, it's okay as long as it's somebody else until it's you. Until it's your mom or dad. Especially older people that this kind of shit happens to and it happens a lot not just here in Oregon which it does but I mean in this nation because one of the many reasons because is that we are we are apt to give our problems over to professionals and not take care of things ourselves. Some of that is laziness and some of it is just not giving a damn. We, as a group, practically it seems like we don't want to deal with anything. We don't want to deal with it. And so this happens. And then you have, and I don't in any way whatsoever, I'm not making, I am in no way making light of this. But I'm saying you have the pity party people, here they come. And you want to offer you flowers. Mm. 
or they want to make some kind of, you know, just putting out dolls and flowers at the site, at the place where it happened or outside the gate. And they put these things out there and we're all supposed to, as though we're on cue, we're supposed to cry. We're supposed to bond and hold each other. And that's not what's needed. What's needed is to be proactive on this. And to be proactive with your friend or relative and identify when some people in their lives are not safe. And be willing to do what is necessary to protect yourself and those around you. There are so many cases like this. And for the most part, they're not necessarily entirely identical, but for the most part, they fill in with certain parameters. You have the older parent or parents, often in their 60s or older, and the son or daughter is mentally unstable, and we're talking seriously mentally unstable, and or possibly in, a, in addition to this, using drugs or alcohol, self-medicating. But I'm talking about people here, not just say with depression, I'm talking about people with serious, you know, mental health issues. And it happens all the time. And the way to avoid this is you can't have them living with you. I personally, on two different occasions, one was a mother and one was the dad. And they both had a son. They're completely not related to one another at all. I'm just saying in my life in general. And it was the same deal. <clears throat> and, um, you know, one son was basically a sociopath um, who loved their reckless lifestyle and drugs and all that. And the other son uh, had wasn't quite a sociopath, but they had uh, some very serious personality disorder issues. So they're, they're pretty closely related. They are what are known as class B mental illness in the DSM manual. And it's something you can certainly, you know, look up for yourself. But there are people who have 
these very serious disassociative disorders. And then, oftentimes, they're often using drugs or alcohol in conjunction with the problem of the mental disorder. And that doesn't make anything better. As a matter of fact, it often makes it 10 times worse. And I told in both cases, I told them, I said, for the sake of your safety, you cannot have them living with you. And their argument was, well, what's the choice they're going to be? Then they're going to be on the street. I said, it is not going to do any of you any good if for a while they're living with you and then they end up killing you. And in one of those cases, which was in the man's case, you know, his son killed him quite brutally. And he was not taken out by the cops. He's, he's still in, uh, in prison. And he's going to be in prison for a very long time. Because, I mean, this was brutal. And you have to remember, I knew both of them. In the case of the, the dad... I knew the son, and I am not claiming to be a mental health practitioner, but I'm quite familiar with, you know, the nomenclature. I know the terms. I know the diagnostics. And so... It didn't take Sigmund Freud to look at this kid and very quickly tell that he had very serious problems. And I warned that man. And I said, I know you love him. And that's what it is with just about anyone. And I can understand that. You don't want to see him out on the street. I understand that. But by the same token, you also owe it to yourself not to end up dead. That's not going to do any good. And it is very possible because they don't understand just because they're a parent. They lose their objectivity. And so if they're a parent, and if they were good parents, and they were both good parents, oftentimes with parents, especially you get a bit older, you look at them and you see your baby, you see your boy, your little boy, you see your whatever, the sparkle in their eyes as they were, you know, 8 or 10 or 12 years old, and they got that shiny new bicycle under the Christmas tree, and all the birthdays, and a whole lifetime of all of that, because you love them, because you're their parent. But more often than not, as this sad story goes, typically, usually, 
It coincides with once they hit puberty, that's where the rubber starts to leave the road. And it has, and then the second guessing starts, and then the therapy, and then there's court involvement, and then the, but the parents more often than not, they begin the whole process of browbeating themselves and second guessing themselves at every conceivable thing they could have maybe, possibly, kind of, sort of, somehow, maybe, maybe, for God's sakes, what did I do wrong? And what I am trying to say, and the professionals, at least the honest ones, are trying to say, is that this was completely independent of their raising. You know? You didn't really do anything wrong. It just simply is. The wiring went bad. Certain connections weren't made but it's not because of any punishment you telling them to sit in the corner giving them a spanking or giving them a brow beating because a person and i've seen this countless times where they work themselves into an abs just an absolute frenzy all about second guessing themselves when in reality they they were perfectly fine as parents. It had nothing, what happened, had nothing to do with poor parenting or their environment. And you know something else? Conversely, I can tell you, known people, young, young people, and they grew up in hellish conditions, really bad. Some adopted, some bouncing from one adoptive parent to another. So that leads to trust issues later in life, which totally makes sense. But people that were, you know, maybe adopted or they just had shitty, hard, horrible, truly abusive lives, and yet. They got through it, through life, and got to go to school, got their degree, and were basically, and are, very successful. Because, and the sad fact is, is that a lot of this shit came because you got to remember, there's a lot of unscrupulous therapists, people who write books because they want to make money. And so there was all this, and it still exists, that they're telling you to be basically walking on, as a parent, to be walking on rice paper around your children. Oh, my God, and don't do this, and oh, my God, don't do that, and da 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 least you ruin your Johnny or whoever for the rest of their lives. But if you just listen to their advice and buy their book, 
and or go to their courses or buy their fucking videos or something else. They're going to show you how to be a good parent. Mm. Your children will just be geniuses. Mm. And it's all bullshit. If you have people in your life, if, if they're at that point, again, whether it's mental illness, drugs, alcohol, any of it, they need to be in a clinical setting, in a hospital, in some kind of place that they are watched, monitored all the time, that they cannot leave, and that if they are violent or begin any violence with any other patient, that instantaneously staff are called and they will intervene and get people out of that situation a home the home that these kids your kids their kids the home a home is not a clinical setting that's not what these people are needing so again you may have the best damn intentions in the world and your heart tells you all of this and tragedy happens. We don't have the infrastructure that is needed that these people that are going through this, that they are identified, pulled out of society forcibly if necessary, and to put them in a lockdown clinical situation. But we stopped doing that many years ago. Because you're, uh, that's their rights. What about their rights? What about the rights of people walking down the street not to be attacked in public, not to be shot on the street? How about parents that shouldn't have to be beaten to death by their own their own child in their old age what about that what about their fucking rights so there are several things that can be done and they require commitment and yes it requires money but not as it's being poured into a million different counselors' chairs where they sit there like a taxi with the meter running, earning fantastic salaries. And I'm not saying all of them are like this. Certainly they're not, but a hell of a lot of them are. And then on top of that, prescribing psychotropic medications like they're handing out candy. And oftentimes, more often than not, actually, despite what the doctor, quote-unquote, feels, those in turn can actually exacerbate the problems that the person is already experiencing. My point about this 
is that they need to be in a clinical setting. That means in a facility. Yes, locked down. If that were the case, what I just told you about Kathy S. Green, she'd still be alive. So here we are debating again and people talking and we'll sit around theoretically for another who knows 5 10 20 30 50 fucking years whatever what we should do mm. i just gave you an option of what we could do but it requires commitment don't tell me I don't want people to tell me of how sorry they are after the fact. That that is so just self in a very negative way. It's just so self damn validating. And I hate that kind of shit. I hate anything of this nature. That, for the most part, I know is completely preventable. And without knowing a million details, because I don't need to know that, because I, and I think a lot of you out there, have something called a functioning fucking brain. You know, a 30-some-year-old man does not take a baseball bat and start beating his elderly mother senseless unless there is something fucking wrong with them. It doesn't take Sigmund Freud to figure this out. He should not have been there in the first place. So... We can't just tell the parents, friends, family, loved ones, we can't just tell them this, what I'm saying to you, that they, they absolutely should not be there for, for their own safety. And then, but then have no reasonable alternative. Years ago, Many years ago, they had so many different types of facilities. Some of them not only were country estates where they could, in a limited way, do some work. They were out where it was safe. And that, when it was properly managed, that worked pretty well. It certainly worked well. Um, for many years until it was defunded. And uh, also, there was, we didn't have to worry, family didn't have to worry about crazy son or daughter or being frightened of them in their later years in their own fucking home. So, that's what I think about this and I, um, I'm tired 
I'm tired of government agencies and so many people that are so negative that something something terrible like this happens. And like I said, it's not just here, but it's certainly around the state, certainly. And then they want to come at the place they make a you know a um, a pilgrimage. They put these things, flowers and fucking little dolls and little bears, and they put this and they do this, and then they they hug and they have a candle and then they and and then that is supposed to stop or absolve them or something. It doesn't do shit. It doesn't do anything. Because as far as all of this is concerned, it's a ritual, and it's a really bad one. We need to confront this in a very realistic manner with some of the suggestions that I already mentioned. Because the fact is, all these people they're making these so-called professionals community representatives it may be someone working just going to you know be on camera with the police or what have you all all of these types of people after something like this happens and they're going to tell you how upset they are and how much they care hmm if only something could be done. Well, I told you what could be done. The fact is, as far as many of those so-called professionals are concerned, nothing will get done for two primarily primary reasons. One, they don't want to give up the goose that laid the golden egg, which is their profession. In other words, these things that are cost-effective and safe, that puts them out of business. So they're not interested in that. They'll give you a million reasons why it can't possibly work. But the fact is, they simply want to you know, keep their very, very, very good paying jobs in these professional fields. The second reason, of course, when it really comes down to it, they don't give a shit biscuit. Take care. You know, wherever you may be in this world, whether it be morning, noon, or night, However you may be listening to the show, I appreciate it, but I would really appreciate it even more if you would go to my website, because not only can you listen to all my episodes, but there's just so much more going on. So go check it out. Go on over to theearnestmanshow.com. Leave a comment, subscribe, or hit that notification bell, whatever the case may be. This is Ernest Van, asking you to remember that there are no bad words, just bad actions.